was Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were very good people. Um, they were old, uh, but the Bible says they were righteous and walking with God blamelessly. But there was a big problem. They had no child. Uh, and this, in the Middle East, was a real stigma. You know, to have no child, you're so good. Why would you not have a child? Why would God not bless you with a child if you're as good as it seems you're supposed to be? Surely this is a judgment from God. You must be something other than you, you, you seem to be. But in this story, we find Zechariah at like the pinnacle of his career. And I'm rather interested that he was on a rotor uh, because it seems to be a link between the temple and how church runs these days. You know, everything runs on a rotor. We have a sound desk rotor, and we have a beamer rotor, a worship rotor, a cleaning rotor, and a hospitality rotor. Everything's on a rotor. Zechariah was on a rotor. He was on a rotor because his team, it was his team's turn to be on duty in the temple. And um, uh, this was something he'd probably done before. He'd been on duty at the temple, but only once does a priest get the opportunity to, to burn incense in the temple. And that, you got that privilege by drawing lots. So it could have been anyone in the team. There were maybe too many. Uh, some people would never get this opportunity to do this. Here's Zechariah, he's old, he's been around a long time. And the lot's drawn, and he gets the lot. It's his turn to go into the temple and have this privilege of burning the incense before the Lord. And what happens? He's in there burning the incense. And suddenly, the angel Gabriel appears to him. I think we're in danger of um, mixing up angels and fairies and Disney type of fluffy, cuddly angels. These angels that we see in the Bible uh, are, you know, when they're not um, hiding themselves, when they reveal themselves, they're not warm and cuddly. They're awesome in the literal sense of the word. They're amazing. And they're bigger than we expect. They're louder than we expect. They're stronger and mightier and more glorious and more bright than we expect. And every time that they reveal themselves, and they're a bit different because they sometimes have wings and lots of wings and things. It's a bit strange. Uh, you know, and every time they come in that way, people are fearful. And so with Zechariah, we say Zechariah, we see Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him or actually fell upon him. And the angel said, do not be afraid for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. Unfortunately, Zechariah is sort of stuck in his unbelief. Um, he's just seen an angel. He, the angel has addressed him by name. He knows his name. Zechariah is still alive. That's great too. And the angel is answering his much prayed prayer. How much clearer could Zechariah have his need met. How much more could he ask for? It's as though God's message was too good to be true. I was trying to think of an illustration of that. Here's a terrible illustration that some of you might enjoy. So, 
Imagine you're in the World Cup final. You're standing before the goal. The goal is empty and the football is at your feet. All you have to do is kick it and in it goes. You score the World Cup final goal. Fantastic. Somehow, you manage to push it past the post or over the bar. Almost much more difficult to do that. It's a bit like what Zechariah does. You know, it, he's been given the answer to his prayer and somehow he doesn't, doesn't take it, he doesn't receive it. It's amazing. Some years ago, a London newspaper decided to run an experiment. And they decided they would put somebody on the street handing out leaflets. Now, you've probably seen someone like this outside the Bahnhof or in the street somewhere else. And, you know, they're just standing there and as you go by, they, they sort of offer this leaflet to you. And you probably walk straight past thinking, no, I don't want that. Whatever it is, I don't want it. Or, I know what that is and I really don't want it. Maybe because they're a bit persuasive, you pick, you take one of the leaflets and you put it straight in the bin. Maybe you take it and you read it. Well, no, I don't, they're really not very interested in that. This particular leaflet that the man had, had this message. If you return this leaflet to the person who gave it to you, he'll give you five pounds. Now, they put this man at a place called Oxford Circus Tube Station. If you have been to London, you might know, if you go shopping, uh, that this tube station opens onto Oxford Street and Regent Street, which is the main shopping, biggest shopping area in London. Thousands of people go past there every, you know, normal, in normal times, uh, go past there, you know, ev all, every hour. So this guy stood there for three hours, holding out his leaflet, offering it to people. In three hours, 11 people came back and claimed their five pounds. It just seemed too good to be true. You know, the offer, it seemed too good. And you know, Zechariah's response is a bit like that. It's too good to be true. He hears what's offered. I don't believe that. You don't understand my situation. I'm old, Elizabeth's old. She can't conceive, we can't have a child. Really? You don't understand who sent this message? I mean, the angel's name means man of God. You know, this can be like our response to the gift at Christmas that we're offered. Uh, the gift is our Lord Jesus. And Jesus is like a wonderful, you know, multi-layered gift. There's him, himself. Um, you know, he offers us forgiveness for removal of our shame. Ah, but you don't know how bad I am. You don't know how terrible some of the things I've done. That's okay. He takes that. He offers a new quality of life. He calls it eternal life and wonderful new purpose. Ah, but I already have a great life. I already have a wonderful house, a wonderful family, a great job. Is that all you have? He's offering you even more. He's offering you a new quality of life something that you never experienced and known before. He's offering to know his love and pre the presence of God. Maybe all this just seems too good to be true and you're prepared to pass it by. Well, if that's you tonight, there are a load of people here tonight who would say, uh, it is true, the offer is really true. It's not a gimmick, it's not a trick. Um, it's true. It's not too good to be true. 
it's too good to miss. The second person uh, who has this said to them is the Virgin Mary. The angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, Grace mentioned last week, I think, in passing, Mary was probably a young teenage girl. She was probably between 12 and 15 years old. Um, maybe some of you listening are of that age, whether you're here, whether you're online, uh, but maybe you are just the same age. And it was a very strange message that Mary got. Now, Mary was betrothed. Betrothed is a bit like being engaged in our society, but it's a bit more than that. It's a bit more like, you know, you go to the, the registry office and get married, um, but you decide not to live as husband and wife until you've had your religious ceremony. That's more what it's like when you're betrothed. So you are actually, legally, there's a legal arrangement. And so to become pregnant, before the wedding ceremony, at the end of the year of betrothal, which is what they would have had, it meant there had been adultery. And quite right, she would have been greatly troubled at this message. She would know that the Old Testament had a really harsh penalty uh, for this. And even at this time, uh, it would probably result in you know, shame for the whole of her family, shame for herself, and eventually divorce as well. It was not a good outlook. John Piper pointed out this, both Zechariah and Mary are promised impossible things. Interesting difference is with Zechariah, he asks for more evidence because he can't be sure. Mary asks for an explanation because she can't understand. But when the, when the angel finishes the explanation, she doesn't say, I don't believe. She simply says, may it be done to me according to your word. She greets the task with faith and worship. I believe that God has something to say to young people in our church today. I believe he wants to say to you as directly tonight, I have chosen you for a particular task that only you can do. It will be a narrow way, it will be a straight way, there will be hardships, there will be misunderstandings along the way, but it is the best way that I have for you to go. Will you take it and say, yes, Lord, may it be done to me according to your word? It's a challenge for you to respond to, to Jesus tonight. The third person was Joseph. Men in the congregation, <clears throat> put yourself in Joseph's position, okay? Your betrothed tells you she is pregnant and you know it has nothing to do with you. How would you respond? I think you would respond firstly with confusion. I thought she loved me. And then you'd probably be pretty angry and hurt and you'd feel betrayed. Well, Joseph is a remarkable guy. He's clearly a very good guy, very good man. And uh, rather than, you know, make a, a big deal of it and make a huge... Make, uh, things even worse for her. 
he decides to quietly divorce her, to, be, to put her away, and not to shame her more than she already will be shamed. And he's just decided on this action, and he has a dream. Remember we, a couple of weeks ago, those of you who were here, we heard from Sunti, he had a dream, the Lord spoke to him. Well, the Lord speaks to people a lot in dreams in the Bible. He spoke, the, um, the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. It seems that coming in a dream, maybe it was a bit more gentle than the appearance here right before him. And he goes on and he says, is no less convincing. Uh, <clears throat> he says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from the Romans? No, something much more important from your, their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph is a man of faith. God spoke and he believed. One dream apparently was enough. That's all he needed. There were no apparent questions or doubts. Maybe like Matthew, in Matthew's account, he remembers uh, you know, that uh, there was a prophet who said there would be a virgin who would conceive and give birth, and the person would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe he remembered that and held on to that and realized he was going to be part of this amazing plan. And then he takes Mary as his wife and he names Jesus. The father names the son in that situation. He names him as his own son. He takes, really takes him on. He shares, if you like, his wife's shame. He behaves as though this illegitimate son is his. He's a great guy. God was calling him to a life of faith, to a bold courage, and to obedience, and to loving service, and as an example to Jesus as his loving stepfather. So, guys, sometimes our plans don't go quite as we expect. You know, God interrupts and sets us on a completely different course, an unexpected course. I wonder, are you ready to say yes when he does that to you? Maybe this course will be misunderstood by others. Maybe it won't be the best, the greatest career path for you or the, you know, the great move financially. But nevertheless, it's what God's calling you to do. I wonder if you will embrace it as boldly as Joseph. Don't be afraid. Pick up the challenge and run for God. The fourth person or people are the shepherds. I wonder what you think the worst possible job is in our society or that you could do. I looked on the internet, of course, to see what the internet thought of this question. And um, <clears throat> there were various different lists putting in different things. Um, some things came up regularly as the worst possible job. Some taxi driver, apparently, because they get into so many accidents, it's dangerous. 
some people say cleaner, truck driver, pest control worker, a soldier because of the danger. Roadkill collector, we're getting a bit more obscure now. Roadkill collector. Manure inspector. I wonder why that one was. Yeah. Anyway, and my favourite one was ape urine collector. <laughs> I don't think there are probably too many of those in Burma, but <coughs> apparently it's a job. Well, maybe you do one of the other jobs, I don't know. <coughs> if you've been in first century Palestine, definitely at the top of the list of terrible jobs would have been shepherd. It was the bottom of the social pile. You know, long hours, little pay, nights away from home, and uh, ultimately you're just looking after a load of rather stupid sheep through the night and through the day. And you can imagine them in the field that night. You, you know, if you've been in the dark and then something sudden happens, you know, they're quietly thinking it's another normal sort of quiet night, uh, cold, um, a little bit boring, nothing out of the usual. And then suddenly someone turns on these floodlights and there's an angel. Not surprisingly, they are terrified. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I love this because it's so in keeping with the upside down kingdom of God. They get such a revelation of who is coming. Those of least reputation and importance in human eyes get the greatest revelation. God cares for all people, but especially those who are vulnerable, those who are poor, those who are abandoned, those who need help, those who are bereaved, those who are lonely. That is why Jesus said, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. If you're poor, you know you need something. You know you need him. And to them, the angel reveals that this baby that's going to be born will be the saviour. He will be the king, the long-awaited anointed one, the Messiah. They've waited centuries, and he's revealing it to these angels. And then just to and a bit more theatre, the skies get even brighter and the choir starts, the angelic choir starts. And it's amazing. It's really, truly amazing. And the, the, the shepherds just sort of take it in and they think, well, we better go and see this sight. And they go off and find the baby. And uh, they're so thrilled. What they've seen, what they've heard, it's real for them. And they go and tell everybody what they have seen. The king has come. Or maybe your situation is not so hugely different. Perhaps you're stuck in a rotten job. Um, maybe you have a pretty low self-esteem because of things that have happened to you. Here's the wonderful news. The Lord of glory, the creator of the universe, knows you and he loves you. It was for you that he sent his only son into the world to meet our need, our poverty, our worrying, our sadness, our loneliness, to change our life into one of purpose and joy and peace. He hasn't come to change your job. He has come to change your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you don't want us to fear Thank you for your offer of life, which sometimes seems too good to be true. Help me to really examine this offer and not assume I know what it says. 
and we can embrace it, to rem remember who offers it, not to greet it with unbelief, but to risk trusting your promise and make it my own and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for young Mary's example of saying yes to you and all you had for her life. Help us to discover and embrace the calling you have for us, that unique task that only we can do. Thank you for Joseph, his straightforward integrity and decency. Thank you that your plan was for him to be bold and strong. Help us men to follow his example, not to fear, not to let important things squeeze out the most important thing, which is to obey your word to us. And then thank you, Lord, for the shepherds. In different ways, we can all identify with them. We are not so special, and yet, to you we are. And you revealed yourself and your plan to us, so that we too might worship Jesus. Lord, help us not to be afraid this Christmas, but to love, follow, and worship you. Amen. Those, those lowest in society were called and then